The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Good morning, and thanks for joining us on The Blunt Post with Vic. Later on the show, you will hear my interview with Rabbi Avidan Friedman, who is the co-founder and director of Yanshuf, which is an organization dedicated to stopping Israeli arms sales to human rights violators. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. Uh, I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and I'm in the studio with Ricky Herrera, my uh, uh, producer, co-producer. Uh, good morning, Ricky. Good morning, Vic, man. How are you? I am well. I'm excited to bring everyone my interview with uh, uh, Rabbi Friedman, which will be coming up soon. Yes, but- everyone needs to stick around for, for this interview with the rabbi. It is intense. It's compelling. It's uh, a must listen. So please stick around around everyone and also just a quick shout out to all the listeners who have donated so far during our fund drive for kpfk we're going until september 1st so anything you can we love you kpfk listeners they rock back to vic absolutely exactly as rick said um our deepest gratitude to you for supporting us for keeping kpfk uh, uh on the air and uh thriving uh, much appreciated. Um, speaking of uh, Rabbi Friedman, a lot of uh, what we talk about is related to what's happening uh, in Artsakh or the Republic of Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno-Karabakh. So we'll start with that. Um, the former chief prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, Louis Marino Ocampo, um, recently, about 10 days ago, said that uh, What's happening in Artsakh, what Azerbaijan is doing, uh, constitutes genocide. <laughs> yes, you heard it right, genocide. So there is a genocide going uh, going on underway uh, in Artsakh, where 120,000 Armenians have been uh, held hostage without food, uh, medicine, electricity, gas, internet, uh, for the last eight months. And people are literally dying from starvation. There have been two cases confirmed of people who died of starvation. Um, so this is sort of the reality that we live in in 2023. We we go out and say never again, but then when it happens again, uh, we're not quick to do something about it due to politics, uh, politics of interest and geopolitics and petropolitics. In the case of Azerbaijan, a nation ruled by a a brutal dictator, Aliyev, um, and his pal next door in Turkey, uh, Erdogan, uh, who is uh, helping him, facilitating it. I commend you, Vic. You've been such a, a fighter since since this has happened. And it's so critical that this genocide is brought to light. It needs to be. This can't go on. Yeah. Thankfully, um, there's been some movement in the media. The media has been just horrendous in covering this. Um, finally, after Mr. Ocampo's 
a comment, uh, some some media outlets are picking up the story and uh, reporting about it. So <clears throat> uh, we'll see. But right here at home, we had another sort of landmark event, the actual charges brought against uh, a former president, Trump. You know, Trump and 18 people uh, indicted uh, along with him in, a, in Georgia on charges that they participated in a wide-ranging illegal scheme to overturn the results of the 2020 election. They all turned themselves in in Atlanta this past Friday before the deadline. Prior to that, at least 11 people who played a role in Trump's presidential campaigns or his administration had been charged with crimes. So, I mean, just just read, just saying that is just so overwhelming. That the, these are the people that just a few years ago were were um, running our nation. I'm currently looking at the the mugshots. As everyone listening knows, the uh, Trump mugshot has made its rounds on the internet, on social media, particularly, and people are having a, a field day with it. It is so bizarre just listening to you talk about this and wow but i have to say the the mugshot i can't stop thinking about it i'm not a meme guy i usually don't dive into these uh these internet inside jokes and jokes for that matter but the memes are good man the memes yeah. are good what's really interesting is my my i bet that all of his handlers gave him all kinds of advice on how to pose for the shot so that it's you know it doesn't become a joke and it's sort of, you know, as benign as it could be. And yet he, he's such a he's such a sort of I don't know what the word is. Uh, you know, he just does his own thing. He, he just went and gave like the worst uh, mugshot, at least worse for him. For us, it's amusing because he looks like he's just going to like bite someone, you know, in the head or something. Yeah. When you think of a, a criminal expression for your classic mugshot trump gave a, a classic mugshot yeah yeah exactly so uh there you have it um you know you just don't know where this story is gonna go with trump and all of that which brings us to the debate the, the republican debate that that we just had and i know you have a lot of opinion about that ricky yeah so last wednesday night the uh, first republican debate took place in milwaukee and there were eight presidential hopefuls uh, that took the stage. Uh, DeSantis took center stage. Uh, Christie was there, Nikki Haley, uh, Pence. But there were some new faces, including Vivek Ramaswamy. And I probably chopped up his name. But all the, the pundits and the, the experts, debate experts, they are declaring DeSantis the winner. But the guy who's kind of gotten the most... Uh, coverage from this debate has been the the 38 year old entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy he took a lot of jabs uh he stood his ground and what I took from the whole debate uh from what I watched it was very combative you know just for instance Mike Pence the way he was talking to the candidate Vivek he had like big brother tones fatherly tones called him a rookie talked down would be a better word right yeah yeah anyways i'm i'm looking forward to this uh, blank show that we are uh going to witness over the next coming months it's going to get very interesting 
Um, I have, you know, I have a, I was reading this uh, interesting study that was done and, uh, and LA is, is a part of it. So I wanted to talk about this. So Los Angeles is listed in the top five dirtiest uh, U.S. cities. This is uh, according to a report. Um, House Fresh, uh, which is an indoor air quality company, assembled a report ranking the dirtiest cities in the U.S. To determine which city is the dirtiest, they examined 12.3 million sanitation-related 311 complaints uh, placed over the past year based on the number of reports made with populations of 100,000. Baltimore ranked the first as the dirtiest city in the U.S. with 47,295 sanitary-related complaints. L.A. uh, ranked number four with 21,616 sanitation-related complaints. So there you have it. Some of it is expected. I mean, L.A. is so big and so populated, uh, clearly, you know, that's playing a role here, but it's just something interesting to to think about. And, you know, driving around so many parts of L.A., I see it. I feel like L.A. has become dirtier, you know, especially if you go outside of some of the wealthier cities like Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, Glendale, Burbank, etc. You see so much, uh, so much more of sort of everything almost. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, nothing surprising about this. I've kind of been seeing it my whole life, Uh, particularly growing up in the Valley. It's weird, like just blocks. We're talking just blocks, night and day difference. I don't know. People are just gross. Just recycle, throw your stuff away, everyone. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And we'll take a little break. But um, when we come back, you will hear my interview with uh, Rabbi Abidan Friedman. Uh, So stay tuned. The Blunt Post with Vic. Keep KPFK strong on the web. Digital services cost KPFK real money. KPFK is more than what you hear on the radio. At kpfk.org, you can listen to our live stream along with our on-demand content whenever you like. These digital services are free for you, but they cost us more money each year. For all of those times you've gone to kpfk.org, discovered new information, and shared it with others, please consider making a donation today. Just click the Donate button at kpfk.org. Thank you. Patty Smith, and you're listening to Fiercely Independent Pacifica Radio, KPFK 90.7 FM. People have the power. The Blunt Post with Vic. Rabbi Avidan Friedman, who is an educator, 
at the Shalom Hartman Institute's high school and post-high school programs, is the co-founder and director of Yan Shuf, an organization dedicated to stopping Israeli arms sales to human rights violators. Good morning, Rabbi Friedman. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? I'm great. It's an honor to be here. Honor is all mine, I say this morning, uh, knowing that uh, actually it's not morning in Israel, so I'm grateful for that, that, that you took the time. Uh, lots been happening. Let's let's briefly just talk about what's happening in Israel with the judicial overhaul um, that passed, but I believe that uh, that the public is still trying to remedy that and perhaps overturn it. Uh, what's your perspective on what's happening? Um, a lot is happening. I'm, I've been very involved, uh, trying to be as, as involved as I can in in it. Um, one piece of the judicial reform is passed. The 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 first law of what was what started off as four or five major pieces, which together was the judicial reform passed. Um, it's it's significant, but it's also the part that that was passed is also being um, appealed in a number of, of uh, Supreme Court cases that are going to be judged in September. And and although the um, the, the Knesset, the Israeli um, legislature is on is on summer break now, uh, and so they won't be passing any more laws right now. The public is is absolutely still protesting and still um, raising its voice to both to protest what already passed and and also what will what the government intends to pass in the future and and also different decisions that are that are being made all the time and and different ways that we're seeing Israeli society changing um, the face of Israeli society changing in in ways that we're not happy with all the time yeah uh, it's happening throughout the world this sort of uh I don't know if it's a, if it's appropriate for Israel. It certainly is for the U.S. and other parts of the world. We've seen this in Italy and such. This sort of a right-wing push of authoritarian rule. I feel like um, it's like the last push to stop progress from happening. Uh, let me ask you this because I'm curious. Uh, in in Israel, as a rabbi, uh, is there any law, or at least an, or maybe even an unwritten rule of how much? Um, a clergy can sort of be, you know, advocates and activists and talk about politics and, and such? Uh, it's an interesting question. There's no um, there's no rule for clergy per se. Clergy that is that is filling a, a role, let's say, within a, within a governmental position. Rabbis that are serving as community rabbis. Which is here in Israel a government, you know, uh, an official government position essentially, which is under the the Ministry of Religion. Um, technically, actually, are um, do have certain limitations, although that's something that is not really, you know, it's maybe observed in the breach, if at all. There have been many, many examples of of rabbis who have made many political statements, and sometimes people make some noise about it. I'm actually. Uh, professionally, I'm a teacher, Correct. and so there's um, there is discussion as far as teachers how much you are able to you know convey your own views 
both pedagogically and and actually I saw that uh, that right now there's a new statement that came out from the from the education ministry talking about how teachers should not share their personal views about specifically about the judicial reform with their students when leading discussions about it, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there have been and there have been teachers actually who have this past year who've gotten in trouble in their schools for for sharing their opinions and um and there have been teachers who have lost lost their their jobs in in my own school as of last year um we had we had the backing of our principal to um to speak about judicial reform speak about what's going on and and within that to also express our own opinions so it, it was something that i i did express although it's a, it's a tricky thing as an educator yeah i bet this is the blunt post with vic on kpfk 90.7 fm i am your host vic jarami and you're listening to my interview with rabbi avidan friedman uh, who is an educator and also the co-founder and director of yanshuf uh, which is an organization dedicated to stopping Israeli arms sales to human rights violators. Uh, we've been uh, discussing his activism in trying to stop the, the state of Israel from selling uh, weapons to rogue nations and dictators such as uh, Azerbaijan, um, who is now committing genocide against the Armenians of the Republic of Artsakh formerly known as Nagorno-Karabakh, um, as well as other topics. Uh, and uh, the situation in Israel itself, the the, uh, the political upheaval that's happening right now. So uh, this is my interview with Rabbi Avidan Friedman. In, in the U.S., uh, a lot of uh, religious organizations and uh, clergy uh, won't at all say anything uh, not to risk their 501c nonprofit status of their, you know, uh, house right. of worship. Um, right. Which always reminds right. me of uh, uh, Elie Wiesel's uh, famous quote that when, and I'm paraphrasing and I'm bastardizing it, but it's a beautiful quote about how when oppression is happening, when someone is being victimized, we must speak, we must take sides. And if you're, if you claim to be neutral, you're really taking the side of the oppressor. So, I, I've I've never understood this stance in the U.S. of um, houses of worship not having any opinion uh, when when uh, human rights violations are happening. You are you know you as you said you're an educator, but you also um, uh, you're the director and the co-founder of and I apologize if I mispronounce this of uh, Jan Schuf. Yeah, you actually pronounced that perfectly, Vic. Okay. It's an organization that's dedicated to uh, stopping Israeli arms sales to human rights violators, you know, being different regimes and nations and such. Uh, and you've been vocal about this. Uh, first of all, thank you for the poignant article you wrote talking about or bringing light to uh, Israel's support of the state of Azerbaijan a nation that's uh, sort of on this genocidal path, uh, especially in the last three years. And we're seeing that uh, come out more and more in the press just in the last four or five days. Um, an article that we should let our uh, listeners know is published in the Times of Art, uh, Times of Israel, and it will soon be published in 
the Armenian Mirror Spectator. So thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it was a piece that really it came from the heart and came from a, a feeling, as as you said, you know, the Ali Wiesel quote, a, a, a sense of of moral obligation to speak out. And honestly, honestly, a sense of of shame to to no small extent as far as where Israel has situated itself in many ways and for a long time vis-a-vis the Armenian community. Yeah, you know, um, I'm I'm blunt. That's what my show is called that. (laughs) For years, uh, I was very critical of the U.S. not recognizing the Armenian genocide, which it finally did in in 2021 after 106 years. Uh, UK is yet to do it and some other nations. And Israel has also been one of the nations that hasn't recognized genocide. But it feels a little different with Israel because I think um, as an Armenian, I feel a kinship with with Israelis. We've sort of have a lot in common uh, going back millennia. Uh, certainly 20th century saw uh, the Holocaust happen. Um, before that was the Armenian genocide. And, you know, we are spread throughout the world in diaspora uh, communities. So it was a little difficult, but to to really sort of not uh, criticize Israel. And I used to just think, you know what? Israel will come around. Israel will come around. You know, there are a lot of intellectuals, you know, uh, Israel Charney is talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. And it was also heartbreaking that, uh, you know, every time Erdogan would go in one of his rants and, and spew anti-Semitic garbage, Armenian genocide resolution was brought up to the Knesset to sort of tame him. And then it would just right. go away. And this happened, but then, you know, and this would happen every few years. But then, with the, with this uh, invasion of Artsakh, I refuse to call it a conflict or even a war because it was really a genocidal invasion and ethnic cleansing. It, it just became, I think, went to a different level. So, seeing and reading people like you talking about it, bringing attention to it, uh, I've interviewed um, Knesset member Ofer Kasif. Uh, and others who who are trying to do this, trying to say, hey, you know, be careful about Azerbaijan. You know, this is, you know, finally, finally, so many different uh, organizations and media organizations that were for three years so-called neutral are finally, they can't deny it. Even AP is calling it genocide. I'll just stop now and let you sort of talk about that. Yeah, first of all, I'll mention, you know, Israel Charney is... Uh... He's a wonderful human being. He's actually on the uh, on the public advisory board of Yanshuf. Um, I've had the privilege of meeting him and and speaking with him. I mean, he is one of the the founders of genocide studies. He's one of the founders, really, of the field of genocide studies as an academic field, and he has always been a very very powerful proponent of the idea that that memory of of the Holocaust, you no know, Jewish memory of the Holocaust cannot be uh, a statement of never again, only for us. And the meaning of the Holocaust me- needs to be never again for for all people. And without that, the it really loses its its meaning. And and he has been a very very strong proponent of uh, and and a really a warrior for Israel trying to recognize the Armenian genocide and. And going back, I mean, he just published recently published a book about his his efforts to get Israel to recognize it, and and he he tells of how 
even to organize a conference here in Israel uh, on the topic was a was a big fight. And unfortunately, I, I think it's um, it's a it's a, a very central. Maybe it's even in some ways it's the central challenge for us in in Israel. It, it, it touches on you know is Israel about fundamentally is it just about something that's going to protect the Jewish people and you know we've been a uh, a, a persecuted people and and uh, people that has suffered so much as you said diaspora etc and so is Israel there to ensure our survival and therefore everything that we're going to do to ensure that survival is okay or does Israel have a a mission in the world and is Israel's survival also about fighting for peace and for the survival of other peoples and so that's the the conflict in some ways it's a very it's uh it's a very standard tension that every nation you know every nation needs to balance on the one hand its own interests and its own survival and on the other hand it needs to it needs to stand for you know in theory maybe stand for some kind of a of moral values and in Israel it's a hard question because Israel really is a tiny nation we do have very very real threats and and I recognize that I don't deny any of that and in, in you know in the Anshuf also I'll say it's not an organization that is pacifistic in the in the sense that we're against every kind of arms sales uh, and every kind of arms uh, we're against as you said selling arms specifically to regimes that misuse them I'm actually in favor in the world we live in of selling arms to to nations that would use them legitimately to defend themselves. Um, so, so we recognize on the one hand this the legitimate security needs, but on the other hand, we're very, very adamant in saying that we can't we can't sacrifice our moral fiber um, and our moral values for um, for those security needs. In some ways, um, it's a little bit complicated, maybe to unpack it, but in some ways, it even really hits on 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 some of the the conflict around the judicial reform where a lot of the people we're standing up for liberalism are 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 standing up and saying you know what um Israel our Israel stands for something we believe in something we believe in a Jewish and democratic state we're not it's not just about we don't care as long as it's Jewish as long as it protects us we care about what the fiber and what the state stands for and in some ways people are even saying that they are willing to to actually endanger Israel's security as far as the you know the people who are saying we can't serve in an army that isn't Jewish and democratic together makes sense I lost my my train of thought because I was so into what you were talking about uh, I'll, I'll just maybe Vic add one one sure. more piece if I may just to to bring it back to to Artsakh and, and I think you know as you said there is there is this um digression you know of as i we, it starts with our our unwillingness to recognize the armenian genocide and now it's moved you know it moved to the willingness out of you know political interest realpolitik the willingness to arm azerbaijan in their you know genocide in their in their genocidal designs in their war and really israel giving giving Azerbaijan the the qualitative edge that that you know I think many people have said really 
won the, you know, decided were decisive in, in this battle in, in 2020. Wow. Um, and, and now even, even more to, you know, in, in the wake of that situation that we in Israel enabled now looking at Artsakh and, and possibly, you know, not intervening and not, um, and not, not intervening in a, in, in this genocide murder by, by starvation. And that's where, you know, our letter came in to calling on the president and saying, you know what, if we have a relationship with Azerbaijan. And I think the relationship has been, you know, in many ways born in sin and certainly cultivated by sin. But but if we have this relationship, at least let us use it in, you know, let's leverage that for for this urgent humanitarian need, at least that. Yeah, I appreciate that. That letter was um, very impressive. Um, just going down the list of signatories uh, was a breath of fresh air. I I tell my non-Armenian friends, you know, we Armenians haven't uh, exhaled in almost three years. And especially when we uh, when we read or see and hear our non-Armenian allies do or say something, it, it has like a special impact um, because it's been rare. It's just not been covered. You know, the press has either not covered it or just covered it very um, in a very lazy fashion with lots of bias and propaganda, especially with uh, Azerbaijan's, uh, uh, you know, caviar diplomacy working very hard throughout the world to do uh, image laundering and, and you know, setting up their uh, so-called uh, strategic uh, partnerships with media companies and such. So it's been, it's been difficult. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie. And you're listening to my interview with Rabbi Avidan Friedman, uh, who is an educator and also the co-founder and director of Yanshuf, uh, which is an organization dedicated to stopping Israeli arms sales to human rights violators. Uh, we've been uh, discussing his activism in trying to stop the, the state of Israel from selling uh, weapons to rogue nations and dictators such as uh, Azerbaijan, who is now committing genocide against the Armenians of the Republic of Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno-Karabakh, as well as other topics. Uh, and uh, the situation in Israel itself, the the, uh, the political upheaval that's happening right now. So uh, this is my interview with Rabbi Avidan Friedman. Talking about arm sales, one has to <laughs> drag their own first. I mean, look at the U.S. President Biden did recognize the Armenian genocide in 2021. However, a week later, he and uh, Secretary Blinken decided to uh, lift Section 907 of the Freedom Act and give $100 million to Azerbaijan, <laughs> a nation that does not need money from anyone. And, and this money was supposedly for Azerbaijan to... <laughs> to uh, secure its borders from terrorists going in, uh, even though they actually brought in over 2,000 terrorists, ISIS and jihadists from Pakistan and Libya and, and Syria to massacre Armenians and paid them for it. And yet we are paying Azerbaijan supposedly to secure its borders from terrorists. It's just such a convoluted um, uh, 
uh, it's a, it's almost like a farce when you when you think about it of what's happening. And and now we are eight months of blockade has been going on for eight months. And you know, a former international criminal court um, representative recently said, if this continues for another couple of weeks, uh, it'll be the end for 120,000 Armenians in Artsakh. And that's where we are. And that's where we are. We we have a president that hasn't said a word, President Biden, about it. And the most severe thing uh, Secretary Blinken has said is that he has deep concerns. <laughs> We're still the, at deep concerns in three years. Um, there's a double standard, you know, when Ukraine was invaded. And rightfully so, uh, there was a very adequate world reaction, U.S. reaction. But somehow, as a as a Guardian journalist said, Armenia was not West enough or white enough to get the same kind of um, uh, attention. I want to ask you one last thing before before uh, uh, I let you go. So I'm I'm sure you need to get back to what you're doing. But how do you feel about the biennial convention of the European rabbis meeting in Azerbaijan in I believe November? I hope to to find out ways to 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 intervene and to raise awareness and I don't know probably stopping it maybe a, a a little bit too rose colored a dream but at the very least uh, I'm going to be looking for for the people who are there who are going to be able to to raise a voice as you said I think a lot of people just don't know I think a lot of people just don't know I think um, I think they are. Uh, they're fed a lot of propaganda that that Azerbaijan is is uh, is paying, you know, well for, and and maybe there's a I don't know there's a willingness to ignore it, but it's just so uh, it's so cynical, you know, it's such a cynical um, taking advantage of yes of of what religion is, um, you know, and as you said, as far as you know, uh, rabbis maybe feeling uh being being unwilling to to speak out or, or feeling but you know here is here's a situation where we can't let religion just be bought in in that way and and to have our moral voice silenced which is what religious leadership really is is supposed to be about and be is. and be a tool for public relations absolutely you know? it's i think um not I don't think I I have followed this for three years now. I've seen the the propaganda machine of Azerbaijan work every trick every way. Uh, less than a month ago, they had a media conference, uh, literally ten minutes from where Armenians are starving. They brought journalists from all over the world and they showed them the magnificent democrat you know democratic uh, Azerbaijan and wine and dine and five star hotels. And uh, essentially buying, you know, good reviews and and good reports. There's there's a lot of this sort of um, PR moves happening, uh, and they know what they're doing. But like you, you know, I hope I hope that with people like you, at least those attending the conference will be more aware, have more education, and not um, sort of buy into the the lies that they're about to hear, probably. And I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but I feel like the truth will out eventually, you know, but there is a price to be paid for that. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you're listening to my interview with 
Rabbi Avidan Friedman, uh, who is an educator and also the co-founder and director of Yanshuf, uh, which is an organization dedicated to stopping Israeli arms sales to human rights violators. Uh, we've been uh, discussing um, his activism in trying to stop the, the state of Israel from selling uh, weapons to rogue nations and dictators such as uh, Azerbaijan, um, who is now committing genocide against the Armenians of the Republic of Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno-Karabakh, um, as well as other topics. Uh, and uh, the situation in Israel itself, the, the, uh, the political upheaval that's happening right now. So uh, this is my interview with Rabbi Avidan Friedman. Rabbi Friedman, before we go, is there anything I should have asked or anything you'd like to add? What is there, what is there to add? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm really looking at the, the situation with a, a great deal of, uh, of concern. Now, as we started the conversation with the judicial reform, it's, it is very hard, I'll say, personally for me and for a lot of people in Israel to, to see beyond the end of our own nose. I mean, people really... Now, I've been out in the streets. I'm, I'm organizing protests every Saturday night. And during the week, I'm often at protests. And, and it's it's very busy. You know, a lot of people are trying to juggle their lives with, with fighting for the state of Israel as they see it. But then, you know, but then, I, I you know, my, my dear friend Yaron Weiss, who is a, an Israeli who's very, who's a very strong advocate for, for the Armenian community, wrote a piece um, that appeared in a, in an Israeli newspaper and and I read it and I said, oh my God, you know, okay, there's you know there's what's going on here, but but look what's going on over there. We have to do something. So I am hoping and praying that um, we're going to continue raising the voice here and we have plans for uh, for organizing a protest and for organizing more activity here in in Jerusalem and in Israel and we'll see what kind of response that that we can get and we're also reaching out to, to the Jewish community in the United States and the Jewish community in the UK, because I, I do feel like there is a a, a very deep brotherhood, um, and and uh, and there ought to be a very deep solidarity between these communities. Now we know so much about you know you mentioned double standard, you mentioned the world being silent. You know we know so much about that, and now if we're in a position somehow to help, how can we how can we not do that? So. So I hope and I pray and, and I'll continue with God's help to work to, to to try to raise this voice and to do what we can. Thank you. I know uh, not just the people who are listening, but I, everyone appreciates it um, a lot because you're reaching people that perhaps we can't reach, I can't reach. Um, and that's that's super important. Uh, and I hope that Israel, the, the internal politics <laughs> is overcome and... Uh, doesn't do things that we did during George W. Bush and well, some of it during Trump too. You know, it just seems like cyclical that we go through these. But uh, I, this is, I understand this is really serious for Israel. But Rabbi Friedman, thank you for just everything that you're doing, being on the show. I'd love to chat again soon. Yeah, totally, totally grateful for your time. Thank you so much, Vic. It was a pleasure. God bless. Well, that was my interview with uh, Rabbi Avidan Friedman, an interview I'm very grateful for, uh, grateful for Rabbi Friedman's work. Thank you, Rabbi, for being on the Blunt Post with Vic. 
uh, and I hope that we can chat again soon. I want to remind you that we are in Pledge Drive. We are asking for donations so that we can keep uh, the lights on, the station going, and to bring you the kind of information, entertainment that you're accustomed to. Uh, so please help us out, as you always have, uh, by calling 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Or go online to kpfk.org. Uh, you can choose to receive an incentive, uh, a gift, if you will, or just uh, or just make a donation. Again, that number is 818-985-5735 or go to kpfk.org. Thank you. Yeah, Vic, let me just jump in here. Uh, I just want to say that our, our listeners are an essential part of this radio station. Um, our listeners provide the funding that keeps us on the air. The news, the arts, the music, everything that KPFK offers is surrounding our listeners, and it's because of our listeners. Please call 818-985-5735 or go to kpfk.org to make a pledge online and keep KPFK thriving and keep us on the air. Uh, we can't do this without you. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.